As resilience professionals, we spend time each day thinking about and working to make sure our organizations are able to withstand the disruption. But do we give the same consideration to our own careers? Hello everyone and welcome to episode 54 as the Resilience Think Tank presents the Resilient Journey podcast. I'm your host Mark Hoffman and today I'm joined by industry leader, hiring and data research pro Cheyenne Marling. This week Cheyenne and I cover everything from how to prepare for a day you hope never happens to quiet quitting and a view of what the business continuity and resilience industry looks like right now. Is it time to make a move? What about remote working? And how are salaries doing in our industry? We'll get into my conversation with Cheyenne in 30 seconds after we hear this from Lisa. Hello, I'm Lisa Jones, co-founder of the Resilience Think Tank. In 2021, six professionals with a passion for resiliency came together to find ways to use our industry experience to provide a place where business continuity professionals could share their insight seek help with their programs, and promote overall growth in our profession. On that day, the Resilience Think Tank was born. It's our one-year anniversary, and we are delighted by your support and encouraging feedback. We hope you will join our journey by becoming a part of the community. Follow Resilience Think Tank on LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube as we celebrate this milestone. Also check out ResilienceThinkTank.com to discover great insights shared by our Resilience Think Tank community. Thank you for your support and stay tuned as we continue to be an ally for risk and resilience professionals and champions for the teams of one. Cheyenne, this is a huge moment for the resilient journey. You're so well known across the industry, uh, but take a couple of minutes and talk about your background and what's been going on with you lately. Well, first of all, Mark, thanks for having me today. Um, uh, always enjoy participating in these uh, in these podcasts. A little bit about me. I mean, I fell into the industry like so many other individuals out there in this profession. Um, moving from Wisconsin to California back in 1998, I joined a company, Management Recruiters International, and their large client was Comdisco. So I immediately started placing all of these professionals to help their clients with Y2K planning. Um, and looking back, that's 24 years ago this last week. Yeah. <laughs> so almost a quarter of a century. Um, it's crazy. And um, but then I started BC management in March of 2000. So almost going on 23 years. And I started the company to specifically be focused in this profession. So it wasn't losing scope within the large umbrella of MRI, but purely to stay focused in placing professionals within business continuity crisis management, you know, look at cyber resiliency, all these new terms that are out there, right? Mm -hmm. But only be focused in this niche market. And then shortly after starting the company, we start gathering data within the industry on compensations, on BCM trends. So I mean, I know we'll probably discuss some of those topics today too, and what we're seeing as far as trending in, in in the profession too. But recently, as many of you probably know, I mean, BC management's been through a whole kind of up and down changes and um, in 2019, we joined Evolution. And then in March, April of 2020, we were acquired by Assurance, which became Castellon. And then Castellon was recently acquired by RiskConnect. And with that acquisition, um, there, there was a business decision not to retain the staffing or the data research part of the business. 
So they gave me the opportunity to um, get to retain VIP for BC management. So I'm pleased to say that um, I've been able to keep the BC management name, all the data over the last 20 years, all of our contacts and so forth. And I'm excited for this for this next chapter. It's going to be a nice, smooth transition, I hope, for you. But it's a really interesting thing to think about, isn't it? A, an interruption of work. You certainly didn't see that coming. So having just been through it and maybe still navigating through it, what advice would you give people regarding long-term career goals and the possibility that one day you're going to get caught off guard and you could find yourself out of work? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's always something you plan for your own organization, right? And the continuity of your of your organization with any event that could come up. Right. And I think a lot of people forget or overlook the importance of career resiliency and, um, you know, all those optimistic, I was very optimistic about staying with Risk Connect, a business decision at the end of the day is a business decision. You can't predict it, right? So you always have to be ready. But I do have to say that they have handled it very, very well. I'm still going to be partnering with them on, on several different endeavors. So it's been a very, very um, kind of good change for me. I think I'm very optimistic about the future. But when you look at your career resiliency for anyone out there, you always have to stay busy networking. You always have to keep your network fresh, reach out to those individuals, be engaged. Um, always think about that next step. You know, what if, what if your job and you're notified that you're going to be downsized in, in the next couple of weeks, right? Have that safety net. And, um, and, and again, be a genuine good person, right? I firmly believe that being good, doing good things, um, being active in the community only leads opportunities to yourself. So staying engaged, networking, um, being optimistic. Um, and, and when things do turn and unexpectedly, immediately reach out to your network, um, let them know that you're here. And if there's any opportunity, be engaged on LinkedIn socially so people can see that you're an active contributor or thought leader within the profession as well. I think all those things come into play. And most, most people naturally don't think of doing those things. But once you start doing it, it becomes easier and easier with time too. What you have to uh, do, and I think you started to describe it here a little bit, is it's your own personal brand, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, and, and I think that's important. I, I want to shift here a little bit because I want to talk about something that's trending and spend a few minutes on quiet quitting. So there's a couple of different ways of looking at it, and we're going to maybe not argue, but look at both sides of, of that uh, equation. But before we get to that, just can you take a minute and talk a little bit about what quiet quitting is? So quiet quitting, it's that new buzzword, right? And yeah. I think a lot of these new buzzwords come out with social media. And I think this one specifically with... Um, Oh gosh, uh, TikTok, right? Is when it really kind of got its fame and, and glory. Yeah, right. um, but it's a new buzzword, but certainly the the forces behind it are not new. If you think to the great resignation that came up shortly after COVID-19 and, and so forth, and then laying flat was the term in China, right? And quiet quitting is the term that kind of gained traction here in the US. And I think, again, it, the forces behind it are not new. But we have been through so much turmoil in the last two years with COVID and always being on call and feeling like you couldn't separate and have that work-life balance. And I think there's certainly been a shift of priorities um, post-pandemic era. And, you know, individuals, they want to come in and perform their duties, but they don't really feel the need to 
quote unquote, do more, add more responsibilities and climb that corporate ladder and take on more. And in many cases, I think it's also a, a failure of communication, right? So, you know, we're not going into the office, so perhaps they don't see how much you're doing. Your manager doesn't know that you're constantly on, perhaps. And so it really comes down to also communication, letting your manager know, hey, I'm doing X, Y, Z, and this is how much time it takes to do X, Y, Z. So they understand and recognize your value add. Um, so the shifting of priorities, and I also think it comes down to feeling appreciated at work, right? So if you think about it, we've been separated for the last two years, not going into the office. The culture of the organization is really falling flat and individuals feel less connected and they feel like they're doing more and they're on call and having to separate that work-life balance so you have this, this feeling of not only disconnect, but not being valued. And, and after the last couple of years of just staying in your house and not really enjoying life, people are wanting to take that back to some degree. All right. So let's go deeper here. Now we're going to look at both sides of this argument mm -hmm. and I'm going to give you a chance to agree and disagree with both sides. So let's start here. So let's say I'm old school and maybe I come from a different point of view. And that is, look, if something needs to be done, I'm going to do it. If my job requires me to work extra time, I'm going to do it. My documented job description is sort of my base level of work. And I'm going to do whatever I need to do in order to be successful. And my advancement in the company, or maybe even my advancement in my own career, is a natural result of this level of effort. Am I wrong for thinking that way? Absolutely not. I mean, I think it comes down to two things, right? And I'm I'm exactly that same person that you just described. I mean, mm -hmm. even though I even though I knew my job was ending, I think I was still working 14, 16 hours a day just because I wanted to help people out there that were looking for jobs, right? And even though it, it was time being spent in helping others. So if you I think it comes down to two things, right? Do you really enjoy your job? If you don't really enjoy your job, you're not going to be motivated to get up in the morning. You're not going to be motivated to kind of take that next step and do more. And perhaps with me, I don't really think of my job as a job. I, I love what I do. So I naturally, it's hard for me to turn it off, which is that's my own fault. So I need to recognize that because there is the other side of the spectrum where you're doing too much and you're overworked, but you're doing it and you're still, you enjoy it. So having that, uh, I'm on the other side of the spectrum. Um, I think it also comes down to, you know, he, some most some workers don't, they forgot what the Great Recession was in 2009 and 2010. I clearly remember that because I was an independent business owner. My job was to place people in new jobs and there were no new jobs. And I had executives from New York who worked for big, big banks who were calling me in tears because they knew they were losing their job. And I saw the writing on the wall before the news started reporting the, the mass layoffs and what have you. So I think, you know, if you think about back in the, I don't want to say the older generations, but we know that sometimes you need to put in more to keep your job. You want to, you want to put in the extra effort because you don't know what's around the other side of, of the of the corner. So for me, I think it's two things. I mean, I'm the exact same way as you. I put in more work. I, I work perhaps way too much, but at the end of the day, I really love what I do. So it's not necessarily work. But the other side of the spectrum is that, or other, other caveat with that is a lot of people forgot about the Great Recession. And 
people did whatever they could to to keep their job right do you think a lot of that has to be that has to do with being sort of a, an entrepreneurial spirit uh, having that independent business background maybe that's why we think that way as opposed to people who just sort of grew up and they've always just I don't want to say just but they've always just been an employee that's a good question. I mean, I've always kind of been an entrepreneur, even though I was, you know, with under Castellan and Evolution and Risk Connect and what have you. I've always kind of had that kind of spirit and drive naturally. Yeah. So, um, and I have to tell you, running a business, it's it's the most scary thing. So perhaps a lot of that is is still instilled with me that that if I'm not working around the clock or doing something, that you know, that paycheck may not come in, right? So right. that's a good question. I I don't know. I mean. I do know people that have started their own companies that have nothing to do with business continuity. And to me, it seems as if they have so much time on their hands, but I'm not in their shoes. So they could be working more, but it's just, it's just not out there. They're not displaying it. Right. So a lot of what you put out there in the media or what you put out or project to your friends, it can be sometimes um, tweaked a little bit to how you want people to view it. Yeah, that's right. All right. So let's look at the other side of the coin then. The other view is that people are tired, they're overworked, they're burnt out, they're taking their lives back, as you said, and they're refusing to do jobs or even working conditions, right, that they deem uh, unsuitable. So they're only doing the job that they're paying to do. Their view is that forcing employees to do extra work is wrong. Are they right? So, you know what, I think the timing of this is just really interesting because now companies are trying to bring employees back into the office. Right. So you have that aspect as well. And I do think there is really a level of burnout. Um, and, and that also is in company, not just with work, but the fact that we had, it was stressful and there's high anxiety during COVID. And you need to know if you're going to grocery store, if there's going to be food on the shelves, mm-hmm. you know, remember that a couple of years ago. <laughs> so I think there's some level of anxiety that's been building up that stress of not being able to separate work-life balance and then always feeling like you're on call because you work, you can't turn it off when you go home because your office is in your home. And that coupled with now companies want you to come back into the office, right? And so I think the natural, the natural reaction is to push back a bit because you want to regain some of that freedom or work-life balance that people have been missing in the last couple of years. Hmm. Interesting. What about in the business continuity and resilience industry? Are you seeing a lot of burnout here? And are you seeing quiet quitting here too? I definitely burnout, definitely burnout because, you know, during COVID, I spoke to so many people who were working around the clock. Um, Many of them were, were ecstatic about it to some degree because they felt recognized and and valued for all the work that they're putting in. Um, but there was definitely that level of burnout. And I talked to so many people who did not take a vacation. They did not, they did not go anywhere. They're boxed in. Um, but as far as the burnout, yes, that's definitely prevalent in our profession. And, and now you see that increased hiring to try to fill some of the gaps because people are still working probably more hours than what they ever have because of COVID because of the supply chain resiliency issues, because of geopolitical issues, those all those stresses on the program. And then the level of executive scrutiny, I wanna say scrutiny, but executives are really paying closer attention to the program because of everything that's been in play the last two years. Um, I wouldn't say that I've necessarily seen quiet quitting per se, um, but I have definitely seen people push back and wanna be 100% remote. 
So when they apply to my uh, job or if they see a job posting out there, their first question is, can I be remote? If not, I'm sorry, I'm only looking for positions that are hundred percent remote. Are you seeing a shift or people, you said people are starting to bring employees back into the office. So are those remote jobs getting fewer and fewer? Um, the ones that I'm seeing, yes. Okay. Um, companies definitely want more hybrid coming into the office three days a week, two days a week, um, or being on call to come in the office whenever they need you. Right. And I, mm -hmm. there is that level of uncertainty. Is that going to change one to two years out? Right. And if we do cross a, some, you know, recession, is that going to then put the, the pendulum back with the employers where they're going to force you to come back in the office more and more? And people are going to have to react to that. And then think about those people that are 100% remote and they're in locations that are that are not large metro locations. You know, they took the job that might be 100% remote, but is that going to change? There's a lot of unknowns that we won't know. It'll be interesting to see how things play out in the next couple of years. There are a thousand follow-up questions that I could ask, <laughs> but I don't really have time. Um, so, you, you know, you're just going to have to come back. So we'll have to continue the conversation uh, on that another time. But it does set up some really good questions about the market right now. What does that look like? Are there good jobs out there? Are salaries good? And for people who might be happy in what they're doing, are they safe? So great questions. Um, we, like I said, we've been gathering data for 20 years. And I can tell you that um, right before COVID hit, we were having one of our best quarters on record. And then March hit COVID and everything fell flat. It, mm -hmm. Everything was canceled. Immediately, April, May, things were surging as far as people looking to hire individuals on contract, on permanent basis. And in fact, in 2018, 14% anticipated hiring. 2018 went to 25% in 2021. And it continued to increase to 37% of our respondents anticipated hiring new professionals in 2022. So it has been increasing. Now, with that being said, I am noticing a little bit of a cooling in the market because all the buzz of, are we having a potential recession around the corner? I have had a few of my clients put their jobs on hold. Now that's not across the industry, but mm. I have heard it, I have seen it. And again, like I mentioned back in 2009, you know, I, I I could sense things before it was reported in the news. So I'm I'm hopeful that because of the surge of hiring that has increased from 14% to 37%, that our profession will be okay. Because if you also look at the numbers of those people who are likely to make a job switch, in 2022, our compensation report indicated that 25% were either likely or very likely to make a job change. So still, there's less pool of candidates looking compared to companies looking to hire. So I think as an industry, we'll be okay, but certainly something to watch out for, right? When you look at compensations, um, it has been surging on compensations as well. Oh, nice. I've had a few of my companies that are a few of my candidates that pulled out of jobs because their current employer offered them a 40% increase and a promotion. Um, and that's happened multiple times between 25 to 40% increases in their compensation. So they did not move forward with my opportunity. They stayed with their current employer. Oh, Companies wow. are reacting. They understand the demand. They understand how hard it is to keep good talent. And they're definitely reacting to that with increases. And our compensation study indicated that um, compensations increased by 13% over the last year. And traditionally, it's about anywhere between 2 to 5%. Yeah. And, and 
I know inflation is on the rise, but still 13% is way better than what you would expect there. That's interesting news. And it's interesting to hear that employers are throwing money at people to keep them. Uh, I think that demonstrates uh, their value to their own organization, but beyond that, the value of our industry to companies in Mm -hmm. general. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I like that. Listen, you you know how I feel about you. You're a star in our industry. And so I'm going to get you out of here on this two-part question. Uh, You already sort of talked a little bit about what's next for you uh, with BC Management, but talk a little bit more about that and the best way for people to get in touch with you because you're here to help people find that next big opportunity, right? Yes, definitely. And I I love this industry. Um, I feel like it's such a family. It's done so much for me personally, and I have a lot of great friends within this profession. So I I, cont- I, I plan to continue to um, help people within the profession find their new, find that next job, help companies identify that top hire, help individuals with career coaching. But also, I think there's a lot to be said between, be, behind the data that we've been collecting, the powerful data over 20 years of looking at the trending within the program analytics, looking at compensations. Um, and I, I actually, I, I love the data piece of my job more than anything else. I think I'm such a data geek. So if anyone ever wants to look for data or hiring trends or career coaching or, or what makes sense in that next step, I'm I'm definitely here and happy to help. I don't think you're a geek. I think you're a nerd. Then <laughs> there's a difference. And I'll, I'll, that's another conversation, too. And it's a compliment, by the way, because I'm a nerd as well. <laughs> Cheyenne, best way for people to reach you? I would say LinkedIn. Yeah. LinkedIn. Easily find me. My name's very unique. Cheyenne Marling. You can find me there. I think I'm probably the only one. Um, so that's probably the best way to get hold of me. Yeah, I think you are the only one. Hey, thank you for spending a few minutes with us on the podcast. Will you come back? I'd like to have you back and we can maybe do maybe regular updates on the market and things like that. Yeah, happy, delighted to do so. All right, thanks for being here. Thank you. I want to thank Cheyenne Marling for joining me this week and talking about quiet quitting, burnout, and giving us some great advice for furthering our careers. You'll want to connect with her, particularly if you're thinking about making a move. Thanks, as always, to the Resilience Think Tank for sponsoring the Resilient Journey podcast. And you can stay in touch with the Think Tank at resiliencethinktank.com. We have another excellent guest lined up for next week. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey.